welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon. We're studying Matthew's Gospel, specifically chapter 4. And the temptation of our Lord in the wilderness. Let's read verses 1 through 11. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward in hunger. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone." And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. As we consider two essential principles of temptation, uh, we've discovered first the areas in which temptation occurs. I told you that the areas enumerated by John in his first epistle are clearly seen in the temptation of Christ. They are as follows, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jesus was truly tempted in all points like as we are. The next principle we found in the text, I've called the arsenal by which temptation is overcome. I've endeavored to to emphasize that while Jesus submitted himself to the attacks of the enemy of souls and underwent temptation, he did so in the same power and by the same means that are at the disposal of every one of his disciples. The arsenal utilized by Christ consisted of two primary weapons. First, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and second, He was familiar with the Holy Scriptures. These are the weapons of our warfare as well. Last time we saw that Jesus was in fact filled with the Spirit. This officially occurred at his baptism and he remained full for his entire ministry for God 
giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Holy Spirit was active throughout the entire life of Jesus. He was conceived by the Spirit. He performed miracles by the Spirit. The Spirit anointed him to preach. He, by the Spirit, had power to lay down his life and take it up again. And here in our text, he was able to overcome temptation in the fullness of the Spirit. In this, Jesus is our example. Only as we yield ourselves to the same Holy Ghost will we be able to overcome the temptations that are thrown at us. But one may ask, what does that mean? And how is it accomplished? I first remind you that this is not optional. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, we read, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This, I believe, is essentially the same condition as the aforementioned in another broadcast, walking in the Spirit. It is that it, it is uh, the same state as that in Ephesians. Here it is, the imperative command. It is in the present tense, in the passive voice in the Greek New Testament. Thus, we are to be always being filled. We do not fill ourselves, but rather we yield and he fills us. I told you that there are several connotations to this idea of being filled with the Spirit. We looked at the first, that of domination. Just as being drunken dominates the riotous consumer, uh, uh, those uh, riotous consumers of alcohol, being filled with the Spirit dominates the yielded believer. So to be filled by the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. The second connotation in this filling is that of direction. Uh, the term used in Ephesians is often applied in a nautical sense. It refers to the hoisting up of the sails of a ship in order to be carried by the wind to its destination. And so it is with us when we are filled with the Spirit. This is seen in our text in Matthew. Verse 1 says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It's even more obvious in Mark's account. We read in Mark 1.12, And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. The word driveth means to eject. It has the idea of violent force or impulse. The words led up in our text in Matthew are gentler, but they convey the same idea. There it can mean to set sail. So while we are yielded to and filled with the Spirit, we are directed by him. The Lord delights in directing his children. When we simply yield to his leadership, we will, he will point us in the right direction. I'm reminded of Proverbs 3 and verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In this direction, there is instruction for our daily lives in a truly practical way. Years ago, a statement by the psalmist gripped me, and it has ever since. It's in Psalm 86, verse 11. There we read, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. The psalm is titled, A Prayer of David. It's a prayer for preservation from the attacks of the enemy. 
In it, David recognizes his own weakness. He is poor and needy, but he also recognizes the mercy and majesty of God. But in verse 11, he says, teach me thy way, O Lord. The word teach is from the Hebrew yarah. The ancient Hebrew dictionary gives the following definitions. A throwing of the finger to show a direction to walk in or to live in. And the throwing of an arrow. This is what it means to be filled. It is to be pointed in the proper direction and catapulted forth as an arrow from a bow by the power of another. He went on to ask that God would unite my heart to fear thy name. He desired to be one-hearted, or we might say single-minded. A spirit-filled man is one who is single-minded. He is stable and steadfast, walking in the power of God. He's not as the man James speaks of when he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It is in the fullness demonstrated by Jesus in this text that we are empowered to overcome temptation. However, we may at times avoid seasons of temptation by being filled with the Spirit. Our Lord instructed us to pray thus in Matthew 6, 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How much better is it to avoid temptation altogether? This is possible when we're filled with his Spirit and praying that we be not led into temptation. Spirit-filled saints follow his direction. Sometimes they avoid temptation altogether. Other times they walk through the valley of the shadow of death unscathed by the temptations around them. So it means to be directed. The third aspect of being filled with the Holy Ghost that is pertinent to our text or to our study here. Is what I call diffusion. I've alluded to Galatians 5.16 several times already. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What a blessed promise we have in this verse. I, for one, do not wish to fulfill the lust of my flesh. Is there any more miserable condition in the life of the believer than to know we've sinned against our Savior? But here's the key, walk in the spirit. Notice this text in Galatians with me. Verse 17 explains for us the warfare that takes place within us as believers. It says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. The word lusteth is defined to set the heart upon. Wow, the reality is that our flesh has fixed its affections upon everything the Spirit of God in us despises. These are said to be contrary, the one to the other. Anyone else feel that in their bones? The result of this contrariness is that you cannot do the things that you would. What the Spirit would do in me and through me is hindered when I walk in the flesh. But on the other hand, what the flesh would do is hindered when I walk in the spirit. I don't have time to cover all that is brought up in verse 18, but let me say this. The cure for legalism is a spirit-filled walk. The spirit-filled saint does not need a list of rules and regulations in order to live a holy life. Therefore, to be filled with the spirit, led of the spirit is to be free from the law. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh, 
Wish I had time to run that rabbit. Now, verses 19 to 21 catalog for us the natural products of the flesh. Uh, Paul writes, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. He then makes a statement that the religious world today just doesn't seem to be able to stomach. He says of these works of the flesh, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you also in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But not only does walking in the spirit keep us from the works of the flesh in times of temptation, but it also ensures the right kind of fruit is produced in our lives. He says in Galatians 5, to 26, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So the fruit of the spirit, one fruit, is diffused into the life of every spirit-filled child of God. And just as the odor of the ointment filled the house when Mary anointed the feet of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is diffused into and out from our lives when we are filled with him. So the first weapon in the arsenal by which temptation is overcome is being filled with the Spirit just as Jesus was filled with the Spirit. That's our time. This has been Preacher Brandon. May God bless you as you stand in the gap. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's bc. H-A-R-R-E-L-L 83 at protonmail.com You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923 Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.